On this episode, we spend an hour and a half listening to Adam Sandler do a fake Louisiana accent. And then another hour and a half, listen to Benedict Cumberbatch do a fake American accent to find out which one is more obnoxious. The answer may surprise you. Let's go. Two, two. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely too loud. Hello. Hello. Do I usually say the title of the of the show in the cold open? I think so. Do you want to try it again? No, it's fine. I okay. Think, <laughs> you know we're we're still early. What is this episode four? We're still setting the formula. That's true. The formula seems to be nebulous. I mean, yeah. When we're at episode five hundred, <laughs> this is going to seem like nothing. Episode oh, yeah. four is going to feel so early. It's fine. For, it's a we're. In a, oh, of course, our fans at episode five hundred are going to go back and look at our older episodes and be, be like, "This is not the well-oiled machine I'm used to from Box Office Time Machine." I think more in the future when people are trying to look up people discussing what will for always be known as the best adaptation of how the rich told Christmas. <laughs> they'll be looking up this podcast for sure because we are the only ones who had foresight to record something <laughs> at the time uh, for those future people and those in the present what what is this show and who are we uh my name is veronica and i'm john <laughs> And we are here to talk about the number one movie in the box office this week. And the number one movie at the box office uh, another decade ago. <laughs> Specifically of this weekend. We got to find a good, clear way to describe yeah. this. Dear and- listener, if you have suggestions, <laughs> please send them to our new Facebook page. Yeah, we have a Facebook page. <laughs> box Office Time Machine. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep, Box Office Time Machine, that is the name of the show. I believe that's the first time we said it. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure we've said it before. Dear listener, write to us. (laughs) Do you know what the name of this podcast is? All right, uh, a good, uh, succinct opening. (laughs) Veronica, what what was the number one movie this weekend? What did America decide had to be seen. I mean, America decided the house needed to be blue, but the Senate needed <laughs> to stay red. And also that the, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, I believe is the full title, mm. deserves to be number one at the box office with, I believe, $66 million. Money well spent. Way Money to go, America. Money well spent, America. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, uh, as you, dear listener, know, we like to start... Every movie discussion with a a small recap of uh, the movie being discussed. And in the spirit of Dr. Seuss (laughs) and the Grinch, I've decided to write a little poem about the movie we're about to talk about. Let's hear it. On one Monday evening, two pals ventured out 
To see a new movie on a big screen on a cold night. It was a remake of a story most people hold dear about a 53 year old Grinch who has no Christmas cheer. The animation was pretty, and Whoville was quite the creation, but not that much charm survived in the adaptation. Of course, there were songs, oh, so many hip tunes, but did it really need to be the longest of cartoons? <laughs> so settle down, dear listeners. Listener to hear us discuss it, the number one bo- movie for which we bought a ticket. <laughs> oh no, I it so well. It rhymed so much better in my head. I'm sorry. It was one. My favorite part. Uh, uh, I, I loved all of it, but my favorite part was actually um, before you started when you didn't you didn't have it open. All I know is before we recorded this episode, you were working on a poem. And then you didn't have it open, and I was like, wait, did she write a poem to introduce the water boy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I totally should. (laughs) Dear listener, if there is a poem introducing water boy, that means that we followed our hearts and wrote one (laughs) in the break. It's not gonna happen. Oh, it might. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about The Grinch. We just came from it. Um, we saw it together. We almost missed the opening because you were late and I refused to walk into the Grinch by myself. <laughs> there were quite a few people sitting there by themselves. Yeah, there were. There were. It was a, a sad, sad crowd. Um, I, I, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't want to talk about it outside. I didn't want to waste uh, good uh, podcast material. Oh, yeah. I, I really didn't like this movie. Oh, boy. I... Oh, oh, we didn't do the, let's do the thumbs up, thumbs down. No, we did a grade. <laughs> we do a letter grade. All right, you want to do it? Sure. Three, two, one, C minus. <laughs> All right. We've been pretty close. We haven't had a real disagreement yet. That's true. That's true. Well, psych, I love this movie. <laughs> oh, boy, what a roller coaster. Um, so this movie, uh, let's get into it. So this is an adaptation of The Grinch. Um, uh, a mo- uh, a book that has been adapted before as a classic uh, TV cartoon, mm-hmm. and in the year two thousand, as a much reviled, uh, uh, big budget live action movie starring Jim Carrey. Um, and I thought coming out of this one that that one must have been better. I haven't seen it since that came out, <laughs> but we just watched a clip, and that also looked awful. I forgot <laughs> how ugly that movie was. There's no reason. There is no reason on earth to make a feature-length adaptation of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, absolutely the not. The story, it's so, we actually, we look read the book, read the original book, the 30-page book, however many words it has. Dear listener, if you love the way that I read that <laughs> little poem, feel free to go fund me to record me. <laughs> A reading from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, because that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> when you're going to go for me to pay for your friend's, you know, health insurance, because that's the forget. country we live in, also go pay for Veronica to read a Dr. Seuss book. For your friends who have no health insurance. I, I think we are, but I, I, are we both, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm a, a huge fan of the original book and the TV sh- the TV cartoon. Mm-hmm. I think they are classics for good reason. They're wonderful. The character's great. 
Uh, the cartoon has beautiful animation and two great songs. Mm-hmm. But the story is so simple. Right. And it's funny because, like, people hated the one from 2000. But as I was watching, I realized this one did, for so much of it, almost beat for beat, all the same ways of expanding this story. Mm-hmm. Um, we also... Uh, have a stupid backstory to the Grinch as a kid. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, yeah. It's, no one cares. It's from the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory School oh, of Childhood Drama. God. <laughs> um, we also, uh, uh, it also starts with like a long montage of the Grinch getting dressed. And then there's a long sequence where he has to go to shopping and he runs into Cindy Lou Who. Both adaptations age up Cindy Lou Who. I don't know why the animated movie couldn't have a two-year-old. I, I get it for the live-action one, but yeah. just say she's two. Who gives a shit? Right. But um, it's so... They have to do it, and there's no... It's funny, because I also saw Suspiria this weekend, and that's a remake. <laughs> so John threatened that he was going to link Suspiria to this somehow. <laughs> so you and I, listener, are going into this blind or deaf. Well- <laughs> I know it's interesting in that um, they're both remakes of things that expand the story greatly. Uh, the new Suspiria is about an hour longer than the original, mm-hmm. and they are so far from the original story, both of them, um, that it's all, you come to a point where you're like, "What even is a remake? At a mm-hmm. certain, what even is an adaptation?" At a certain point, but the thing is, like Suspiria, the new Suspiria, which I didn't love, I found interesting, but I didn't love. At least there's clearly a vision there. This, every choice that is made to expand that book to feature length is the least fucking interesting choice you could possibly make. Guys, I'm going to tell you, we we get to learn about Cindy Lou Who's single mother and how, how overworked she is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I thought that was okay. Like, oh, the, God, it was... It was fine. Like, I didn't need it. Who gives but, a shit? No, I thought it was sweet. She had, like, a single mom, and she wanted for her mom to, like, not be alone on Christmas. I That part was fine. Like, there I, were so many other things. I well, here, like here's the thing. It. Veronica, what would you say is the moral of the original story? Uh, The moral of the original story... Don't be a Grinch. Don't be a hater. <laughs> don't be a hater. Cool. I don't know. Because, like, yeah, I guess that... What would you say the moral of the Grinch is? Um, I don't know. Don't, don't hate on Christmas for it being commercialized because there's actually more to it than that. Hmm. There's more to Christmas than commercialization. I, whatever it is, it's fairly simple. There's more to Christmas than presents. What, what if I told you... The 2018 version of Christmas. The moral is there's more to Christmas than presents. Also, <laughs> also, orphans need a family. Also, um, uh, also, Christmas is actually about ho- uh, kindness and love. Also, it's more important to be with other people. Also, it it just goes on and on because it's like the whole thing about commercialization, which is. I would say the main part of the original story just isn't here. Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know that I read the commercialization part of it. I read the, like, people want, it's a Christmas about, or the holiday about presents. But I felt there was some of that here, but not a lot because 
that town immediately was like, we don't need the presents, we can sing. Yeah, it's it's when I say commercialization, I don't mean it in like a Charlie Brown Christmas way. I guess I just mean like um, the gifts and presents over. Like, right. I think one of the ways that how the Grinch stole Christmas has uh, uh, transcended generations is it's shockingly secular for a, a Christmas story. Well, yeah, he was like a super progressive dude. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'll I will talk about this later. Oh but yeah, let's so, keep going. But yeah, it's it's a, a uh so it really is like Christmas. It's not in the story. There's nothing about Jesus. Christmas just represents a a time of good cheer, right? And and love and harmony. And the whole thing is that you know the Grinch hates it because he thinks it's all about noise, noise, noise. We don't get the main things, those main sequences from the story about like the Grinch hating all. We don't get the the lack of creativity. So here's another thing. So both they uh, have <laughs> Pharrell, uh, Pharrell Williams narrates this version. Yes. And there are probably about as many lines of narration in this movie as there are in the original story. But for some reason, they use maybe tops three from the original story. Everything else is new. None of it is better. Right. I don't understand I think why. they actually kept some of the worst lines from the story like the the laziest rhymes like the ones where he rhymes the thing with itself like those oh. seem to be like the things that he that they took yeah i, I went uh throw stones to that glass house miss uh tunes and cartoons <laughs> hey you had less time i had less time and money <laughs> um, also tunes with cartoons is better than Sing, 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 noise, noise, noise. Uh, but yeah, but I think like to get back to your point of like the story having many morals, it's probably because it is an hour and 45 minutes. Oh my God. That is long for a like a feature cartoon that was created with the goal of being a feature length cartoon. But guys, we get all the parts of the original story was missing. Like, we all know when we heard the original oh, story. The, the rain buffalo? <laughs> I love the rain buffalo. <laughs> I, we all watched, read that original book, and we went, Okay, Dr. Seuss, uh, Mr. Geisel, where's the loving reindeer family? <laughs> <laughs> that teaches the Grinch that family is important. I, it doesn't make any sense because, like, first off, I'm a, the Grinch isn't mean in this version. Yeah, he's not really mean. He seems to have legitimate gripes about things. <laughs> he's just sad from moment one. If you yeah. read the book, like, the Grinch is an asshole till the end, and he loves it. He's a smiling villain. The entire, and, like, say what you will about that. <laughs> terrifying Jim Carrey version, he's an asshole. And mm -hmm. I thought that this version was actually, that's really what they were going to play with because they had the Based initial... Based their marketing well, campaign. Well, <laughs> that. And then I, they started, their initial trailer was just that sequence that they added to this movie where he goes shopping mm -hmm. and he's just like spitting in people's food. And they cut it in a way to just have all the mean things. It's like, oh, okay, this Grinch, okay, they're really playing into like, he's just a jerk. And we'll find other non-Christmas ways for him to be a jerk. Great. That seems like a fair way to expand this character. Then they had the ad campaign, which is one of the most unpleasant, <laughs> hateful ad campaigns I've ever seen. If you haven't uh, seen it, plastered on every subway uh, wall and billboard. It's just a picture of the Grinch's face with some just like, not even like really mean things. Just like, 
he's just like a real like bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he's very catty. Yeah, it's like it's just like a simple text that just says like, uh, no, I won't be going to your off-Broadway play. Yeah. Well, or I think there's one of the exit from the subway stop that I take to work where it says like, oh, well, I guess you'll have to catch the next one. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I see this as I leave the subway. <laughs> what is the point? It's a terrible, obnoxious ad campaign. But the thing is, the version of the character from that fucking poster is more fun than the one that's in the movie who's just a sad bummer. From moment one, he's already like, like his first scene, he's like, Christmas sucks. I wish I could celebrate it. I'm so sad. I mean, I'm angry. It's just, I don't know. Like, just make a, he's a villain. Just make. Yeah, I really, so there's one scene where his best friend, Kenan Thompson, <laughs> is like, he's the most festive I did like that part, I guess. I like that they had, like, diversity in casting and diversity in, like, who's. So they weren't just, like, white who's. So well, they I were thought all, that was quite I nice. actually thought that was... They're all furry, so they're all kind yeah. of, like, the same... They're, they're like, a future human society yeah. when all uh, ethnicity has been, you know. I like that, but they <laughs> had, like, darker skin tones and lighter skin tones, and that was cool. Uh, anyway, uh, his best friend, Kenan Thompson, is the most festive Christmas celebrator in town, and... Uh, so he goes to, I guess, steal the sled from the top of his house, because that's, guys, how he gets a sled, in case you were wondering from reading the story. How does he get a sled? Uh, so, but, so as he sneaks around, he, like, sees, like, him and his friends, like, having, like, a holiday get-together, and he gets sad. Uh, and then, like, in the last scene, the... Keenan Thompson character is like, he's my best friend. And I was like, dude, asshole, why did you not invite him to your thing? <laughs> like, if he was your best friend, why did you not invite him to your kumbaya funnel cake dinner? I actually did think that scene would have played better if we had seen him get invited to the party earlier at the time. Yeah, I, but, the way that it played, it was like, weird. Why are you such a... They, they're so weirdly afraid of making him, like, real, really villainous, like... His so the the cartoon expanded the story as well, um, mostly with like these long musical sequences and like uh, just like comedy business. Um, they you know expanded the role of Max in the cartoon, yes. but like if you watch the cartoon, Max is his dog. Yeah, he makes cute. a reindeer. He like in the cartoon, like nearly all the comedy in the first half, if I remember correctly, is just him being a fucking asshole to his dog. But from like moment one you in this one, can't be mean to your dog in twenty eighteen. Oh, is he's just. He's not mean. The, no. I can't believe my main complaint about a Grinch movie is that he's not mean. He's more of like, I guess maybe, or maybe this is like informed by the voice casting, but I feel like he's like a Sherlock level of mean <laughs> or like a Dr. House level of mean where he's kind of cranky, but we like it. <laughs> you know? He's just a sad orphan with abandonment issues. But like, so that is the thing. It becomes more about... They try to make the moral of the story more about, like, uh, it's bad to be alone, which I'm sure there was some of that in in the Jim Carrey one, too. But 
Oh, it was a bummer, man. There was a part. So Cindy Lou Who's storyline is so unnecessary. It's it just reeks of like we gotta fill fucking time. <laughs> and they they age her up and they make her like an extreme cool girl who's like she's, she's a sk- tomboy. dude. She's fucking skateboarding at the. She's like extreme like X Games sledding at the beginning. It's so fucking cool. Like all the kids are like, dude, so cool. We love this movie. Spend money, mom and dad. Um, well, they don't, they don't do the sequence where they talk. Have, they don't have the made up toys. There are no made up. Eh, anyway, but like so, so her storyline is so unnecessary, and they just keep building it. Okay, her mom works too hard. Her mom's friends with the bus driver because she's got so many jobs. Okay, now now the daughter's she's got a friend who in the one touch I liked, which is very like uh, Charlie Brown feeling. Uh, her, she's friends with a kid who sells uh, uh, snowballs. Yeah, it's very like Calvin and Hobbes or something. Yeah, who sells like snow cones and snowballs? That <laughs> was the, cute. But like, it still felt like, oh, this is this whole storyline is just product. It's just product to fill this movie that we need to fill feature length so we can sell tickets and make money. Yeah. And so the point where it just like went too far, and I just started laughing in the theater was when Cindy Lou says to her friend Grouper, "I've got a plan to catch Santa Claus." But we're going to need the whole gang. <laughs> and there are three more kids, guys. We're 50% of the way through the movie. And I'm like, who has ever read How the Grinch Stole Christmas and been like, man, I'd love to meet Cindy Lou Who's friends. Yeah. I hope there's a cool kid who eats a candy cane like he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wish, to be honest, like, I wish this were funnier because I feel like this studio does, I mean, the Despicable Me movies are pretty funny. I haven't watched any of the Illumination films. Really? You haven't seen any of the Despicable Me? I haven't seen any. I don't know. I know only, I know them only through their oversaturated marketing. Yeah, I mean, they're not amazing by any stretch, but they are kind of funny and entertaining. And this one... Had very little like wit or any sort of even attempt at jokes. I don't know that there were like necessarily that many even, you know, jokes in this movie. And and the co-director had a hand in a number of movies that made me laugh very hard that in middle crazy. school. That is crazy. So if you were to miscast a director for this movie, I mean, it felt. I I don't. It felt. Uh, the co-director in making his directorial debut is Scott Mosier, uh, the co-producer of all the Kevin Smith movies. Yeah, that is silly. The movies that I, I loved in middle school. I I mean, I... It does explain the time where uh, uh, the Grinch finds out that his girlfriend sucked 36 dicks. And that, like, Superman needs special condoms <laughs> to fuck. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I love vintage Kevin Smith. I've been to many a Comic-Con panel where he talked, so. I'm very impressed by his career trajectory. When I found that out, I was like, man, that's, I wish, it's it's almost like. Um, that he became a podcaster? Or what is his tra- career trajectory. Oh, his career trajectory. Well, that as well. But yeah. like, the, yeah, there's, I mean, a podcast are gross. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, one of us, one of us. But I, I loved, uh, I thought that was so cool. It, it felt similar to when um, the guy who used to write uh, Sam and Max comic strips, I think his name's Steve Purcell. Um, uh, <laughs> I have no idea. I think I'm getting about. this fact right. It was someone who, uh, someone who made something I loved as a child. Uh, the Sam Max comics and computer game was the co-director of Brave. 
Oh. And that was also a movie that I ended up not really liking. The, and he, and that whole directing thing was weird. The weirdest one that I can think of off the top of my head is that one of the people who rode Black Swan hmm. had previously, he, I think he only has like one or two credits prior to that. And one of them is Man of the House, the Tommy Lee cop in a sorority <laughs> Comedy. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones, not Tommy, Tommy Lee. Lee. Jones. Sorry, Tommy Lee Jones. I, I mean, mean, Tommy Lee's been in back. some very successful movies. Yeah. No, so like, yeah. So Tommy Lee Jones, that like weird like cop in a sorority. I do remember that. He's wearing a sheriff's hat on the Yeah, poster. he's like this. Well, he's like, the I can't I can't believe know, I have I... to deal with these wacky girls. I crossed my hands man. and I made a pout. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... Isn't that insane that he would write these two things? You know, I think it's cool when people can do a lot of different things. I mean, right now, uh, they're talking about how, um, oh my goodness. Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh boy, I fucked up. The director of Widows. Oh, Steve McQueen. Oh, Steve McQueen has made, he's now he's made a thriller. It's getting it reviews. Steve McQueen? Yeah, you're right. Anyway, but people are like, oh, he can do everything. And it's like, wow. I think that's always very cool. Steve McQueen. I'm I, so excited about that movie. This is unrelated, but I really want to see what yeah, it is. I wish we'd been watching that today. Instead, it was playing at the same time. Uh, was uh, it playing at the same time? Yeah. I thought it was only coming out, like... I thought it was. I saw a poster, and I know friends who were seeing it. I don't know. I'll, uh, do you have anything else to say about The Grinch? Um, was there anything you liked? Well... Mm, I I did like the animation, and I, as I said, I dug the diversity. I was wondering, what are there any Jews <laughs> in Whoville? Probably not. <laughs> I also wanted to say that like there is a good way of an adapting a Dr. Seuss movie because I really like Horton Hears a Who, which is a I have not seen that delightful one. movie with Jim Carrey. He does one of the voices, and Steve Carell, I believe, is the other. I think it's very doable. I I just don't know why none of them feel like Dr. Seuss stuff. Like That one, I mean, I guess it doesn't feel like Dr. Seuss, but it feels like a good movie, so it doesn't you don't miss that. The animation style is very similar to Seuss, like, but This one they don't this one the animation doesn't even look like his drawings. It just looks like Despicable Me. Yeah, it's it's not as Seussian as you would like, hope it would. In addition be, to not being sure. mean, the Grinch isn't ugly. He's adorable. The Grinch also has green pants, in case you were wondering. Is he naked? No, he has pants the same shade as his other part of his body. <laughs> but yeah, I just I guess I wanted to say that Horton Hears a Who is good. So like if you do want to see a full length adaptation of a Dr. Seuss movie. And who doesn't see that? Because <laughs> who doesn't read these perfectly these perfectly yeah. delicate stories <laughs> written just for ch- children to understand and love? Who doesn't go, hey? Let's make that an hour and a half long and throw in an overworked single mother and her struggles <laughs> to <laughs> make the bus on time. Oh, I kind of was hoping that she and the bus driver get together. Dude, I, was, I was hoping she was going to fuck the Grinch. Oh, Because when they did, the, they did the ending of the book, and it just keeps going. And I'm like, it's, and the Grinch gets invited home. And I'm like, is this going to be like a, uh, you know, uh, Mighty Ducks thing with Emilio Estevez and Joshua Jackson's uh, uh, the mother? I don't remember the actress's name. I never saw it. Uh, it's great. I believe. I don't know. I don't remember. Does Josh Jackson fuck someone in Mighty Ducks? Yeah, he fucks uh, Pacey's teacher. Whoa, Dawson's great. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, we'll be back with a limerick about Waterboy and oh a discussion God. about Waterboy. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> toot toot. And we're back. Toot toot. <laughs> and because Veronica promised it, I just spent the last five minutes preparing this. Yeah, five, not ten. Uh, <laughs> All right, here we go. Once in the year 1998, a man named of Sand had two special dates. They were movie premieres, and that year he had two. Quite a boon for the young comedian Jew. The first, a rom-com with Drew Barrymore. It was called The Wedding Singer, and boy did it score. But the Sandman didn't stop. He spread some more joy in the guise of a film he dubbed The Water Boy. The fans in the theaters, they liked it a lot. But the critics in the papers, Definitely did not. I liked the film, but I was 11, an age close to 15, as, as close an age to 15 as I was just to 7. <laughs> so now that I'm old and handsome and rich, do I still like the water boy or do I leave him in the ditch? The oh water boy. boy. <laughs> leave it to John to make this limerick all about himself. <laughs> I believe it was mostly about the Sandman, Adam Sandler. So what, uh, let's not uh, tease the listener any longer, John. <laughs> what do you think about the water boy when you are far from being 12? Uh, uh, I thought it was, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I actually, it was one of the, so I was a big Adam Sandler fan when this came out. Um, I was, like I said, I was 11. And I, I had his albums. Uh, what the hell happened to me? Very funny. All that stuff. Loved it. I loved The Wedding Singer. I loved uh, Billy Madison. Those are still my favorites. And then The Water Boy at the time was on the like second tier for me with uh... mm, a lesser Sandman. Well, yes, I, those were my two. Those were peak. And then uh, then below that was like this one, Happy Gilmore and Big Daddy. Um, I watched this and I, <laughs> I'll say. Boy, who has there been a pairing I've been less excited for than the Grinch and the Water Boy? <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I had no great time. I had fun. I didn't hate it. I will say, after watching um, Night School a few weeks ago, I was, and we've talked about this before in, in comparison to a few old movies. It was a masterclass in tight plotting. <laughs> like, That's true. It's a, an hour and 25, I believe. Was that just that? It's like we talked about this, I think, last week when we were talking, uh, which, um, not last week, not during Venom. the Halloween episode. Yeah, during Venom. Yeah. How, like, <laughs> nowadays it feels like the scenes in movies don't lead into the next scenes, mm -hmm. except for perhaps in animation where they have to spend a shitload of time making it. But, um, it's it's nice to remember comedies before like it was just like uh fuck the script just get the actors to ad lib for 3 hours and then we'll just edit together the best one liners whether they fit together or not right yeah and it will be 2 hours <laughs> it'll be two and a half hours <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, on that front, I suppose, yeah, Waterboy is better. But I feel like on most other fronts, it's worse. Worse than what? 
Like, I mean, a good comedy, I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I guess my Sandman uh, history <laughs> is that uh, I really enjoyed Big Daddy. I have not seen any movie. I ended up seeing The Wedding Singer, which I think I enjoyed more, but I didn't really like as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a Little Nicky, which I thought was the worst movie ever made. <laughs> I liked it at the oh time. Oh my God. Even at the time, we like went on like a class outing to see it, and it was garbage. A class outing? Garbage from Planet Landfill. <laughs> your, it was your so- theology class? Yeah, exactly. We were like, let's see if Nikki can solve some arguments that we've been having in our <laughs> theology seminary. Um, I enjoyed Fifty First Dates. Oh, that one I hated. Oh, really? Uh, and I really enjoyed You Don't Mess With the Zohan. I have not seen that one. Yeah, you having uh, spent many years living in Israel. Yes. That hold a special... So I enjoyed... You like it for its accuracy. I, I do think it's more accurate than people think. <laughs> uh, just with like little things. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, I also saw it in a weird situation. I was living in LA and I saw it in a crowded, sold out screening. And then as we were walking out, you realize that everyone in the audience was Israeli, basically. <laughs> Wait, like, there are a lot of Jews in Hollywood? Whoa! <laughs> Uh, then yeah, how do was, they make such great Christmas movies like The Grinch? Yeah, it was exactly. They know so much about Christmas <laughs> that what they produce is The Grinch. Um, so yeah, so I enjoyed that one. I'm trying to think if there was anything else of his that I enjoyed. I guess like the Hanukkah song is something that I like. And I really hated The Cobbler. And I think I've oh, actually... Oh, God. Well, that's that's like three years ago. Yeah. I've de- I've now detailed everything of Adam Sandler that I've seen. <laughs> I, I don't think I've seen anything else. Well, now I've also seen Waterboy. Wait, so you had never seen this before? No, I've never seen this. I've never seen Billy Madison. It's funny. So this is... It felt to me... It's I I watch it was so interesting as like a big screen uh, in a trajectory of big screen comedy. This is very much felt... At the end of the wave of the high concept comedy mm. um, of like, uh, you know, I, ones that that Sandler would help produce with Rob Schneider being like the real like uh, nadir of that. But like, you know, South Park made fun of like uh, Rob Schneider is a stapler. What? <laughs> uh, oh, I did enjoy Bruce. Big- Bruce Bigelow? Male Gigolo? Deuce. Deuce, Deuce. Much funnier name. Yeah, I I remember really liking the first one. I've never saw the other one, but <laughs> I, I remember not, enjoying the first I've also not seen one. European Gigolo, but I, I like the first one. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it, it really felt like this. So this is at the end of, like, the wave of, you know, where you'd have your Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura's, mm-hmm. um, that way, uh, you know, Polly Shore movies of, like, just, just a goofy male lead in a silly situation. Right. And this felt... Um, so then within a year, we'd be full on into Fairly Brothers, American Pie, uh, uh, sex, like, gross-out comedies. Um, well, didn't this come out the same year as There's Something About Mary? I think There's Something About Mary was also 99. No. Was that, it not? It, you I might, saw you know, it you with actually my might mother. Be right. It might have been 1998. 
I know 99 was South Park and uh, almost famous. Uh, not almost. Well, it, it was. was almost famous, yeah. but uh, American, American Pie Beauty. and uh, uh, Ace. Uh, uh, Ace not well. Austin Powers 2, Spider Shag Me. Ooh, I like that one. I uh, thought Spider no, Shag right. Me was 2000. No, Spider Shag Me was 99. Oh. You, you are right, though. I think it's something about yeah, Mary. Yeah, there's something 98. about Mary is uh, July of 98. But so that was going to start. But I also felt like um, this felt almost heading to. It was borderline deconstruction. <laughs> I'm giving it too much credit. Because I don't <laughs> think it really went this direction. But there were times where you could see. The kind of deconstructionist comedy of like anywhere from Wet Hot American Summer to, um, uh, like Freddie Got Fingered or something would go further in. Like, could you give an example? <laughs> in the ways that like, like the main character is like a hero boiled down to its just bare beats, which is like, I'm sad now. <laughs> this is my triumphant scene. Like he's doing like I don't think this is really the idea and I think there is a thing that um uh, for like I'm not not one of like the huge big like uh, uh I haven't like refound uh, Freddy got fingered but <laughs> <laughs> oh no have you not been blessed with that knowledge yet? <laughs> but I think like that that same thing of like just uh just just that was the formula of the time. Mm-hmm. You can see all the things like this is what he wants. This is why he's that. And there are t- while there this movie, unlike something like Wet Hot American Summer, does seem like it actually is trying to play most of those beats mm-hmm. semi sincerely. You there are also parts where it feels like you can you can feel the people in it make making fun of these beats as they're doing it. So here's a question to you as more of a Sandler file than <laughs> me. I guess, so is he supposed to be like mentally challenged in the movie? Well, so that, is I think, Waterboy mentally challenged? That's a thing. Um, uh, <laughs> we get into my proposed, my proposed new segment for the show for the older movies of... Uh, yes, I feel like we discussed the segment and I was like, everything I have to say it would fall in the segment. Right, well, you, you so wanna, do you want to introduce yeah, the segment? So, so this is a new segment I'm proposing um, uh, for, for the older movies. Um, and it is called... Ooh, that wouldn't fly today. <laughs> I'll start out very simply of just uh, the use of the word retard. If you're going for 90s comedies, you are going to see that frequently. Um, right. For the young people in the audience, that's just a word we said. Yeah. That was just a word. Yeah, I think it it was a retarded, then it was mentally retarded, mm-hmm. which somehow made it better. Well, it's like the and thing then was, it was, yeah. It was a clinically accepted term, but then people started using it as an insult right. to the point where that became the more common usage. So they changed the clinically uh, uh, used term. But it is, I, I have to show, um, so I teach like comedy writing classes in New York. Ooh, and, uh, sign yeah, up, listener. Um, but like I, in our curriculum, we show uh, like sketch videos as like, Things and I, I like showing like some old Mr. Show sketches because like the structure is good, but they frequently like we'll just have like retard used to like sometimes describe mentally handicapped people, and I can feel every person below like 24 in the room just like freeze up. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I know I feel like you have more for this, so I want to, yes. that's my quick one. 
Uh, so mine, I suppose, related to that is that I perceived him as mentally challenged. So I, there were certain scenes that were very hard for me to watch <laughs> when, like the his like love interest scenes, mm-hmm. where I was like, "Is this rape? Is this? <laughs> I don't know. Can he give consent? Can water? It, it felt so wrong." <laughs> I think he is functional at that is that he, level. I don't know. He was. He never He's kissed held a woman. A job. He's never kissed a woman before. Well, as Kathy he, Bates says, he doesn't have the social skills. I just, it like, he was very, um, a, a testament to Adam Sandler's acting chops. <laughs> I felt that that man could not give consent to something like this. Yeah, this really, so I think this was a turning point. Uh, this, like, it at, this right around that time period would be like, Toward, we're towards the end of the time where it's like, oh, this, oh, he's dumb. Yeah. Like, that's his, that's his thing. He's dumb. And so, you know, yeah, d- like, dumb and dumber. And then, like, I feel like the end, now we're at the part where people are like, yeah, okay, but Sheldon's autistic. Yeah. <laughs> Just, that's, that's what's going on here. I like, feel the like time wasn't Dumb and Dumber more... I feel like they had more agency in Dumb and Dumber than Waterboy had here. Well, it's like... It's weird because they do... But... This, uh, more than... So, Adam Sandler characters... I mean, then you have... They're already... They're always on the border... And I think we talked about this in night school. But they're always on the border of absurdism without... And you see bits of it. Like, Billy Madison probably has the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like... Um, but they don't go all the way and so this is the the most where it's like oh he's just doing a dumb character that he would have done on snl but because they like fill it out with this whole world then you do start being like yeah okay but what's his what is it okay that he's going to school yeah i feel like <laughs> another way that he's being taken advantage of is on the football field mm. he is being basically that's another way this would be uh <laughs> right but then another football. wouldn't fly today but so he is being basically like convinced by Henry Winkler to, like, unleash his inner demons by, like, remembering all the times where, like, people were mean to him so he would tackle Mm -hmm. real good. But, so, they're taking advantage, clearly, of an illness there in order for him to do these things. But also, just think about it from the perspective of, like, the player who he runs at, who he tackles. Here's this man who just keeps, (laughs) like, yelling at him as if, he was his mother and then like tackles him. Imagine that happened to you. I think this that is funny so every time in the movie. I think this is so because it very it very much is on just on the right border of like terrifying. I think this there's in the same way that some of those Fairly Brothers movies had where they had this like sentiment. Um and I don't think this is the a great example of this but like i think it's going for that same uh uh, thin line that a lot of comedies were at this time where they would try for these like gross out gags frequently in the borders of pg-13 but then they'd throw in a ton of sentiment and this movie is so aggressively positive in every way except for in the second act like the i 
the only way this movie works as well as it does is Kathy Bates. Because that, like, watching this this time, I'm like, that is the most hateful character. I she's know. so Why evil. Why did she take this role? Well, she's so likable. I mean, like, how many fun roles do you think Kathy Bates was getting offered? I guess not. It's just, uh, I felt bad for her watching I it, think she's great in this. I think she's a- very good, but I'm... <laughs> you were in Titanic. <laughs> Um, I did like the part. Henry Winkler's great in it. Henry Winkler. Oh, he's such a weirdo. Uh, I just wanted to mention that there's a a gag where there's a newscast happening and Mm. Kathy Bates is like in the background dancing. (laughs) And that was delightful. And I wanted to sort of insert her into every scene in the movie. (laughs) I just think it would be super fun if there was ever a movie where... In every scene, there's someone dancing in the background. That's also that's also uh, Feruza Balk is there. Like Feruza Balk as the love interest, who's I, I checked first comes on screen around the 35 minute mark in a very short movie. Um, yeah, but she is. That's another time where she's the love interest, but she's just a psychopath. Exactly. Like I th- I do think you can feel them not making fun of, but like. In a way that's borderline lazy of just like, here's the th- the beats we have to hit. Here's his love interest. Here's his thing. Um, but I don't know. It's, I'm trying to look beyond nostalgia. And again, I didn't love this movie at the time, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to see, is there any reason, any real reason why I should enjoy this more than like the same like shocky big mainstream comedies of today? Mm. And I think... I, I think a lot of it is the lack of improv, uh, just wasting time. Not to say this is a perfectly scripted uh, movie. I want to point out something I never noticed before. This is a whole movie about the whole thing is that he's a, he can he's a put upon guy who's bottled up his rage and now he lets it explode on the football bottled. field. Bottled, nice. Um, what? <laughs> he's a water boy. He bottled oh, up it's... his rage. <laughs> Yeah, that plant. Um, uh, he bottles up his rage and he lets it uh, soak through. Uh, more, that- more, more. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> you know, Sorry. if this was an R-rated movie from two years later, they would have made a bunch of like getting wet jokes. <laughs> Shit, where was I going? I don't know. Oh, he bottles up his rage, and the whole the whole thing that makes him great is his rage. And then, do you know? How, do you remember how he wins the big bowl game at the end? Uh, through tactics. I no, don't he throws it... a pass. Oh, that's true. He does. Throw <laughs> Why a pass. the fuck yeah. does he throw? A... <laughs> that's how he wins the game. He throws a pass. Because Henry Winkler sees that it's wrong to take advantage of potentially <laughs> a mentally unstable man and lets him do something else. Oh, speak, speak, I, like, I, anything about football now makes makes me worried. But I gotta say, Lawrence Taylor is in this movie, and he has great comedic timing. Which one is he? Uh, he plays himself. He has the immortal line. That brings me to my next point, kids. Don't smoke crack. Oh, he's one of the sportscasters. No, he's in the. He's running the camp that uh, the kids that Bobby Boucher goes to talk to. Oh, I. So. Can I point out a few things in quick succession? Yeah, no, succession? please. You were going to okay. say something. Uh... Well, okay. First of all, I wanted to ask you if I ever had a crush on Feruza Balk. Because <laughs> uh, I had a girl crush on her because I watched The Craft a lot. 
I'm a, I'm a little younger. My uh, 90s goth girl crush was on Christina Ritchie. Oh, see, I I mean, I didn't watch The Craft. When they might was, be the no, they're not the same age. Yeah, I didn't see The Craft when it was on, but it went, when I was in high school, I discovered that movie and I loved it. I watched it in full for the first time like two years. Oh, really? What do you think as an adult? I bet it's not good. It's but fine. I don't know. <laughs> it's anyway, fine. but the things I wanted to quickly mention is the fact that. So, first of all, this movie is a giant middle finger to Clint Howard, in my opinion. What? He's got a great role. He a so, super unfunny role. So, he's in this movie as part of a dynamic duo of hillbillies. And it it is clear that his partner, the other dude, has fake teeth. Yeah, in. Sandler's buddy. Yeah. Uh, Alan Covert is, I think, uh, and, the guy's name. But Clint Howard doesn't. No, I also so, noticed that. So, like... What is that, like, casting notice? Or, like, what are they telling Clint? It's like, this is great. You're going to play two hillbillies. They have fucked up teeth. It's going to be funny. Uh, and he's like, okay, so do I need prosthetics? No, your teeth are fine. Veronica, <laughs> if you think that in 1998, Clint Howard was surprised to get cast in a role of a weird-looking guy. I just, I think every time it happens, it's mean. I don't like it. It chips a little bit away at the song. Yeah, just why, guys? He can do other things. Uh, also, there was a dude who had too many quirks. There was, like, that one football player that was not only cross-eyed, but also had an insane weird voice. That's another one of Sandler's friends who was in a lot of his things. I don't know his name. That, that was just, I why two things? Why does he need two I things? thought he was great. It was it was very funny, but it was also very Did weird. Did you make a joke? <laughs> I'm doing, like, Why was power. he cross-eyed? Why? Because it was funny looking. Uh, see, that's another thing we can add to would not fly today. I don't think a cross-eyed character played for laughs would work today. I don't think we've gotten to that point. I don't know. Uh, is there is there a huge like is there a huge like lobby of uh, uh, I don't lazy know. I just people? think anything you can help about your physical appearance, you're probably well, not. Well, he was doing laughs. it on purpose the whole movie. I know, which kind of makes it worse. <laughs> uh, and also. Rob Schneider's role was so weird at this. <laughs> and they he's brought just, that character back in multiple movies. He's like basically an itinerant man, as far <laughs> as I can tell, who just shouts out random things. It's just a cameo. I, I don't know. That was very well, silly. Uh, so, let's say, so let's talk about the Louisiana of it all. Uh, did this feel authentically Louisiana to Well, you? as someone who spent upwards of four days in New Orleans... I can certainly say that it did not feel like Louisiana to me. I've only seen an alligator at one of those alligator tours you take. Mm -hmm, Definitely mm -hmm, have not mm -hmm. eaten any alligator-infused dishes or pastries. <laughs> that was kind of disgusting. Every time they were eating snake or alligator, I just, like, wanted to vomit Oh, that bit. dinner seed with... That, that, made, that was, uh, I mean... Look, I I was having an okay time. I wasn't like laughing out loud. The one the one part that made me laugh pretty hard was Henry Winkler and Kathy Bates at uh, the dinner table where she serves snake and he's trying to be polite. He's like, "So what um what part would you say this is?" Oh yeah. And Kathy Bates goes, "Well, now snakes don't really have parts." <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I, I feel the same way um, watching, like, Barry, the HBO show. Like, Henry Winkler is just great to watch. And sometimes you just watch scenes with, like, 
old pros, people have been doing this kind of thing for years and years. And just like Kathy Bates and Harry Winkler in that scene are just very charming together and very funny. They the jokes are fine, but they hit them uh they hit them all well. Yeah, I definitely thought about that, them being pros. There were several times in this movie where I imagined the sort of like before and after the cameras rolled on these things. I think there's a scene where Harry Winkler kinda like Henry. Oh, Henry, sorry. Uh, uh, Unless I'm wrong. Now you make me think I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. It's Henry. Uh, where he, like, freaks out on a bench and he does, like, some breathing exercises <laughs> or something. So I was imagining sort of the before of him, like, okay, are we going? Are we going? And then he does this and we're like, are we good? And then, like, everyone on set is like, he's brilliant. <laughs> uh, also, yeah, I thought the they had some, like... V- visual jokes that didn't really work all that well. How how would you compare this to, like, oh, so this was a huge hit at the time. This was, um, so like I said, Sandler had two comedies. This was in November. Uh, February of that year, he had The Waterboy, both directed by the same guy. Uh, um, you mean The Wedding Singer? I'm sorry, yeah. The Wedding Singer was first. Uh, both directed by the same guy, the guy who uh, plays, a uh, spoiler alert, Bob Boucher's dad at the end of this movie. That's uh, a director cameo. I thought it was Adam Sandler in prosthetics. It was, it's amazing. When he, realizing now that he's his, he was the director, I was like, oh, wow, he actually looked like chubby older Adam Sandler. Yeah, I genuinely thought it was just a lot of prosthetics. Uh, Kudos to that Rob- man. Roberto Boucher at the end of the movie. Roberto Boucher. Roberto, but he also has a stupid voice. Frank Caracci is the yeah. name of the lookalike. How how did this... So what do you... Are there um, uh, any like big studio comedies recently that you've liked? And how... Big hit comedies, and how does this compare? I mean, I guess the oh obvious boy. one, because we just saw it, would be Night School. What other big hit comedies were this Yeah, year? I think this is definitely better than Night School. Let me, hold on. I'm going to open my letterbox and see if I saw anything. I, uh, to be honest, that's the one genre where it's like so, yeah, I think it's, it's, funny. it's so I don't... hard to produce. I saw, mm, that's not really... I saw Game Night. Oh, I, I want to see that. I still want to see that. I enjoyed it. I hear good things. I, I enjoyed Game Night. So, so Game I Night saw... over <laughs> below the yeah, water. Yeah, so far. Is Black Klansman a comedy? I... Um, in, mm. At points. Yeah, I saw that, Sorry That goofy to... <laughs> mockumentary at the end was real funny. Yeah, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think what I saw that was... A comedy sort. Sorry to bother you. Hmm. That's not like a big studio company. No. Um. Uh. Yeah. There's. I. Yeah. There's not. Oh, I blockers. Yeah. Which, I. 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 I don't know if. Uh, I. I. I didn't like blockers, but then <laughs> I. I found the premise unpleasant. Yeah. Um. I. I, think, I have problems with the premise more than the movie itself. I think I laughed more. Uh, blockers than I did at Waterboy for sure, but I mean that would probably be one of the only comedies that I've seen in theaters. I do think I mean I'm glad that you know, and it started just like around this same time that year with their something about Mary. I I do I am I think the '90s with where all studio comedies had to be PG-13. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that wasn't great, and I I'm also glad that we're kind of <laughs> coming out of the uh apatow three hour long um yeah i yeah i've only seen 
The only Apatow movies I genuinely enjoyed and would see again are not Apatow directed movies. There, I there love are some most Apatow of his produced, produced movies. Yeah. yeah. I really like Superbad and I like Pineapple Express. Yeah, I love both of them. <laughs> but I, uh, the ones that he directed, there are parts about every one of them that I really like, but I feel like they all can are so long. I loved Knocked Up when I saw in theaters and then I got the DVD and it was like the director's cut and it was 20 minutes longer. Oof. And I and I only watched it once and I was just like so angry. <laughs> they added more improv and all I, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but one of the things they added, they added some like, like so, Jason. Uh, um, oh God, what, what's his name? Uh, Siegel. Joe, no, Jay Baruchel. Oh, Jay. Uh, Baruchel. Jay had asked Jason Siegel's character like a question, and then they had added in a a rant by uh, Jonah Hill about like his balls, and then they just like gracelessly cut to Jason Siegel's response to the question that was before it. Like that's <laughs> all. I only watched it once, but I remember that I was just like. Oh, you just threw shit in. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the world does need a Jonah Hill <laughs> monologue. Hey, I love balls. Maniac. I love Maniac. I haven't watched mid-90s yet. I liked his hosting of SNL. I thought that was the best episode of the season. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, but I, it's it's funny. I don't know. It's weird. I I thought... I, I There are parts of me that want to defend the Waterboy because I didn't find it, like, terrible... And I, I didn't not like it, but it wasn't like, I didn't laugh that hard. And I can't tell how much of this is nostalgia. I mean, there's also like, while this was not my favorite, like Adam Sandler movie, like it was filmed at like my mom's high school and college. Was it filmed in? So- uh, parts were, parts, they were filmed at different schools around Florida and parts oh. of it, like the home games were filmed on the a uh, field of the high school and college at my mom's hometown where my grandfather was the professor at. Oh, wow. That's so fun. I remember at the time, I thought it was very cool. I'm like, whoa, the Sandman was here? I've never <laughs> called Adam Sandler the Sandman. I don't know and why. And you called I him this 10 times. The Sandman. Um, Cajun boy. I also, so I know I'm aware of sort of the joke of Adam Sandler's movies are basically about Adam Sandler getting the hot girl. But the Mm. more I think about it, the more every fucking movie that he's done is essentially about him getting the girl. Yeah, I mean... Isn't that crazy? Well, he made some family comedies where he was already married. I haven't... I The post... Like, the 2005 and beyond Sandler... uh, uh, catalog i have not really seen i mean even with the zohan that's the plot of the zohan really well, that was like all the high concept comedies i mean like think about ace ventura that character is obnoxious that character is does he get the girl oh he yeah, gets monica he gets fucking courtney cox that's true the character is beyond deranged at yeah. least like and i remember uh, uh i just yeah all of these movies i guess it's not a sandler specific issue but it's so weird. Dumb and Dumber actually make. I mean, Dumb and Dumber makes fun of it. The whole thing is they're chasing the woman who has right. no interest in them, and then yeah. it, the very last scene is them being too stupid to get on a bus with a bunch of suntan lotion models. Is that how it ends? I have not seen that movie. Hawaiian Tropic models. A long time. But yeah, it just seems so weird. I don't know if that would. I feel like that might be another thing that wouldn't really fly now. What was the last comedy where that was essentially? The I, I feel like nowadays, if you make 
a comedy about a dopey guy trying to get a hot girl, at the very least, it's heavily commented upon. Yeah. I don't know if that will, like, I mean, movies are escapist aspirational. I don't know if we'll ever be beyond uh, a regular-looking person uh, gets the hottie on whatever gender. Right. I think that is something that, that human audiences will always enjoy watching. But will alien audiences enjoy Dude, aliens it? are going to jerk it to that shit constantly. Ooh, they love to jerk it. They jerk it in Mars. <laughs> they jerk it in Venus. Do you think, which Adam Sandler, why, here's a question for you. Uh-huh. Why does Adam Sandler do a kind of Superman style thing where all of his leading women have the same initials? What do you mean? All of Superman's girlfriends are LL, and uh-huh. t- most all of like uh, Adam Sandler's like love interests had V names at the time. Is that true? I haven't I re- noticed that. I remember like noticing that as a kid. I, I, I guess if I, I look haven't... it up now and it's not true, I'm gonna feel real stupid. But like in this movie, it's Vicky Valancourt. Oh. Um. Uh. Maybe he it's was not there. in the Wedding Singer because I know that's Julia Gulia. Are they all weirdly rhyming? Names? Well, that's a whole that jo- that's all joke. She's gonna marry um uh, Gulia, and it's gonna make her. It's gonna give her a silly name. Oh, let's see. Uh, I think Billy Madison is um uh Sonia Sonia Blade from Mortal Kombat. Bridget Wilson. Uh, her character's name is. This is good. This is good. What we're doing right now. This yeah, is this good is audio. great. Veronica Vaughn. Veron- Ooh. Veronica Vaughn, okay, Vicky Valencourt. All right, Happy Gilmore is. I can tell you that the big daddy one is Layla Maloney. All right. So I'm sorry. Virginia uh, Bennett. Virgin- Happy Gilmore. Interesting. So three of his first fo- four movies all had uh, two V names. Is he married to a V named woman? I don't know. There's also, oh, we forgot to mention that Colonel Sanders is oh, yeah. faculty on campus. Oblongata. Medulla oh oblongata. God, that was, that was a bad bit. I did not enjoy that bit. Well, it's funny. It's just funny seeing these things that I haven't watched in 20 years and being like, oh, man, I remember that from the playground. <laughs> you Abdullah oblongata. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, that, though, not as funny as, uh, uh, as the teacher in... Uh, in Billy Madison with this girl's trying to no I will not make out with you that whole scene I have not seen Billy Madison both movies feature a big <laughs> sequence where the character has to take a test ooh a uh, premise well, they, I, I honestly feel like Billy Madison would be the more interesting movie for us to have done because I that is one where it's like he's just a rich asshole He's just like his character is irredeemably just an asshole isn't this that one, also like, the plot of Tommy Boy yeah, that's like, yeah, those are both movies about like uh, oh, the idiot son of a rich guy who has tons of money and can go on a wacky adventure so he can keep his fortune. Oh, boy. I also confused that movie with Jack. Um, that's also uh, <laughs> most <laughs> Jack is super rich. That's how he can afford that uh, full body Robin Williams costume. Yeah. Because inside <laughs> he's just a little kid. <laughs> Oh Most people think that's a movie about a disease. It's actually a movie about a little kid wearing a Robin Williams costume. Whoa, that would be a more interesting movie. <laughs> all right. So I think we've said all, all that needs to be said about The Water Boy. Do you think that this movie survived the test of time, John? No, I mean, I think there are so, like, 
I I don't I don't think this is like the Adam Sandler movie that people will pick up. Um, I don't think it's it's a favorite. I think the the whole things of like oh it's <laughs> just like a, a handicapped dude. Yeah. Um, I I it hasn't aged as poorly as I might have guessed. Mm. I think it's still watchable, but I don't think it transcends that. Which is my answer the time on this, which makes me feel lame. But Aww. yeah, what do, what do you think? Yeah, probably the same. I think, yeah, it's probably more memorable for me even for someone who hasn't seen it because it. I remember that like the campaign for when it came out, so it definitely like signified something in my life at the time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for someone who has no such connection to the movie, I don't know if there's anything unless you're an Adam Sandler purist and you must see them all. I, I bet he. It's not <laughs> they one exist. Of the, yeah, it's not He's making the a worst fortune one. for Netflix. Yeah, I mean, it's better than Lil Nicky. I hear that his new special is really good. I hear that, too. I, I do want to see it. I like Adam Sandler. But, yeah, I, I I don't think this is peak Sandler. Yeah, that's the thing. For all, to be honest, pretty shitty movies that he's done, I still do have, like, quite a bit of fondness for yeah. him. I Yeah. And, and while I say it's, like, much more tightly scripted than some of the comedies we've seen recently, it's still, it's very languidly paced compared, like, editing-wise compared. To, there are mm. a lot of dissolves for some reason in this movie. Yeah, that's true. And, oh, the second act, that's that's really where it kind of dies for 20 minutes. The whole mama's fake illness sequence. Oh, yeah. Like, from the, like, he passes the test, but then it just continues for a while. Because they're wrapping up a bunch of stories, but, like, who cares? Yeah. Oh, that's my one version of, like, a movie, it hitting the beats you have to hit, but not really giving a shit. The one version where they full-on go into, like, wet on American Summer style is... Um, oh no, he's hurt. Bring out the magic water from the Arctic. Oh yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> they don't even like attempt to make you care about that. See, I feel like I might have, I should have seen it with a more ironic lens. Maybe I would have enjoyed it a bit more. But you watched it to cry. Yeah, I really you wanted it to feel. I really wanted it to represent humanity at its best and at its <laughs> worst. Um. What about the Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, then? Do you think that would be talked about 20 years from now? No. I mean, there's so many great Christmas movies. Uh, the, the fact that there is a demonstrably better 20-minute version of this same story that parents can pop on and enjoy and it be done. And well, then again, I don't have kids. Maybe the length is better. <laughs> uh, fucking sit down and watch this shit, kids. Um, but I don't know. There there are legitimate, excellent uh, Christmas movies, holiday movies, animated Christmas movies. So the fact that this one is like, like it was boring. Yeah. Yeah, it was not fun for me. I can't imagine a world where there's like a Veronica circa year 2000s who enjoyed the Jim Carrey (laughs) Grinch who kind of liked this and would have fond memories for it. But I feel like that's probably a very small group of people. And for everyone else, this was just a place, a movie that you saw one time for two hours. Do you think they're positioning this to be a, a series, a franchise? (laughs) <laughs> they introduced like a full fucking supporting cast. The Grinch cinematic universe. I mean, that shit with all Cindy Lou Who's gang of friends, that made me feel like, oh. Uh, I'm like, oh, Grinch 2. 
Sunila who's gonna try to set him up with the fucking mom. <laughs> and it's gonna be the Grinch dating, and he's gonna the have Grinch fucking like steals my mother's heart. And the fucking reindeer and the dog are gonna like teach him how to have polite dinners. Oh boy, I would certainly hope that that's not a thing. That's, I and I, you him. know what? I actually think that might work better because I think the well, I think that is just despicable of me. Isn't that just what those movies are? Yeah. A group of kids teaching a, a villain to be sweet. But there are no weird yellow man who say banana. Yeah, that, dude. That's why you watch Like I say at the end of movies. every movie, where are the fucking minions? Yeah, where are they? You they got are... an hour and a half. Put a fucking minion in there. I mean, to be honest, I might have liked this movie better if it had minions. Well, we got some minion action in the title card. So that's that was true. Funny. And a bunny. Where's the bunny from? I don't know. Who cares? Um, so what do we got coming up uh, in, in two weeks? So in two weeks, it would be the week of November 21st. The nationwide. Right, well, we, did, we did Halloween and we just did Christmas. So what, what is it? Uh, this is a free thing. April Fool's Day. <laughs> I, I, so, yeah. So it looks like the Thanksgiving treats we're getting this <laughs> year are Creed 2, Wrecked Ralph 2, Steals the Internet, I believe, mm. Robin Hood, parentheses 2018, and a limited release of The Favorite two days later, which is probably not going to. I'll tell you, uh, I think we're going to do two animated movies in a row. I think yeah. we'll be seeing Wreck-It Ralph. Wait, is that the first fully, first weekend of Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah. The previous weekend, though, has Fantastic Beasts. Where to find them? Oh, God. God, I hope not. The Crimes of Gellert Grindelwald. God, I fucking hope not. Um, I kind of hope it is so I get to nerd out about Harry Potter things. Did you like that first one? No. I love the books, but I don't. It's a weird thing. I find it. It's hard to describe, but I feel like anything that's not in those seven books is almost not canon. So I never read any that's of the That's what I felt about uh, Cindy Lou, who's mom's uh, <laughs> busy work schedule. But uh. I do like the idea of this Fantastic Beasts movie better than the previous one, having not seen either. But oh. it seems like this one talks about sort of like the magic history of the past. So it's all just like an information dump about like previous stuff which i think i would enjoy because my favorite harry potter book is book six where it's basically just like hmm. what did voldemort do <laughs> what was he up to yeah uh so i i think i probably would enjoy it more than i did would have the first one not that i want to see either of them really um i guess i'm uh i liked wreck it ralph one i I it's loved funny, it. Wreck-It Ralph was really 1 good. and Creed 1 are both movies I like, uh, but I'm, for whatever reason, not that excited to see the sequel to either. But I guess we're going to. I have a question. So that's Thanksgiving weekend. I was thinking today, you know how, like, in football games on Thanksgiving where they show, like, um, the family, like, soldiers overseas, and they'll be like, uh, this is, you know, troop blah, 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 saying hi to our family back home. Happy Thanksgiving. Do you think they're going to do that for the soldiers who are stuck on the fucking American border <laughs> pretending there's a caravan evasion? We're waiting for this caravan. It's arriving any minute. Hi, we're in Arizona, 50 feet from a McDonald's. Wish we could come home, but we're not allowed. This is still a political ploy. Uh, uh, I... I love dating the podcast. I think that's what we should do. It's oh, a yeah. time machine. It is a time machine. I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's either Wreck-It Ralph or Fantastic Beasts survives another weekend. You don't think Creed 2 is going to take the crown? 
Uh, I don't know. I think. I agree. I think it's a. I think it's gonna be a family. I mean, I think Creed probably would not drop as much from weekend to weekend, but I don't know that it gets the number one slot. Well, I mean, but then again, Black Panther was huge, and Michael B. Jordan is in Creed too, so who knows? I would, if it is Wreck-It Ralph two, hope that they do a sequel to The Paper Man, which was the. Oh cartoon. my god, that was so great! Okay, that was the one of the best shorts I've ever seen. I thought it was so fucking good, and if I, I mean, to be honest, if they played that again in front of Wreck-It Ralph, I would be happy. <laughs> Let's get back in the time machine and leave 1998 and return to the hell that is 2018. Toot toot! <laughs> we'll see you next time! Bye! Bye.